Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Welcome to episode 50 of Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today, I'm sharing a recording of a live Q&A I did last month on Instagram. I asked my followers, my email subscribers to message me their questions about Tantra, sacred sexuality, and spiritual intimacy. I also offered this as a space to ask for advice about relationships, love, and sex, and it was so fun being of service in this way. I definitely intend on doing more of these as time goes on. So if you ever have any specific questions for me, feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram or over email or on Twitter, wherever you're finding or following me. And I'll, you know, offer my perspective. I'll maybe give you some suggestions. Also, please know I am answering from my experience and I don't proclaim to be an expert or certified therapist, but I am applying years of study and personal experience in the sacred sexuality worlds and modalities to offer these suggestions. Additionally, I do offer one-to-one mentorships if you'd like um, some support to go a bit deeper with you know, spiritual intimacy and sacred sexuality. If that interests you, please pop on to my website, talktantratome.com, to see all of my latest offerings in this space. Thank you so much. And uh, without further ado, let's begin this live Q&A. I'm going to get started with some of the questions, though, that were previously submitted. And the first one is, how is spiritual awakening um, correlated to a sexual awakening? And to me, these things really go hand in hand. You can go as deep in your, you can only go as deep in your spirituality as uh, deeply and fully, as fully as you've accepted your humanness, your human, you know, characteristics. So understanding that sexuality brought us into this world. It brought me into this world. It brought, you know, you, the listener in, uh, it brought every other person that, you know, you know, the food that we eat was created via sexual interaction between plants or animals, you know, the clothes that we're wearing as well. Often if they're made of plant or animal fibers are also a result of this energy moving. So just being able to see that sexual energy is really the fabric of our existence. So how can it not be you know, a spiritual aspect as well. And I think that the ancient, you know, civilizations and the indigenous cultures understand this a lot more clearly. And this is, you know, pre-patriarchy, pre-capitalism, or in those societies that exist today that aren't, you know, really subscribing to these ideologies as much. But, you know, my, my belief and what I've observed is that these sort of communities saw this holistic view of sexuality and spirituality. They see that sexuality and spirituality are actually integral to one another. So a lot of modern spiritual modalities leave out sexuality, but that's one thing that I really love about Tantra is that it's truly holistic. And it's interesting because many people really sexualize Tantra when in reality sexuality is, you know, one part of the practice. That being said, it's a, it's a pretty integral piece. And, it, and it's also just honoring this fullness of the energy that, you know, brought us all here, right? So, you know, things like 
you know, breath work and yoga and, you know, whatever your spiritual practice may entail, all great and fine and well. But if we aren't, you know, looking at sexuality, which is often, you know, not addressed because of, you know, how taboo it is, then you're not really living in this holistic practice. For myself, you know, when I started my spiritual journey in my early 20s, it was really great and it felt really liberating to be in this, you know, love and light and to, you know, get in touch with myself as a creator of my reality. That being said, I started to see that I could only go so deep until I addressed, you know, the deep sexual shadows, you know, the ways that, you know, I was raised in a culture that was um, very controlling of this energy and also very um, resistant towards allowing us to fully express our sexuality in healthy ways, right? And then once I, you know, found Tantra, I started to see this opportunity to fully integrate my sexuality and my spirituality and to make them both a part of my practice. So, you know, to answer the question, sexuality and spirituality are integral to one another. And in that way, the awakenings can be very parallel at the same time. Again, for anyone that's joining, you're welcome to drop a question into the chat box and I will do my best to answer it. Again, I'm, I'm going off of uh, some questions that were submitted earlier this week. So the last question for this live or the next question for this live Q&A is after a breakup last month, I can't make love to myself again. I don't know why. Maybe because I felt rejected and the sex is very passionate. Anyway, if you know how I can get back to self-love, please let me know. Okay, so what I'm getting here is there's this feeling of rejection and feelings are super powerful. They are, we, we often avoid our feelings because we want to show up being very consistent and very on in every moment. But our, our emotions are, you know, signs. They're trying to tell us something. So when you're feeling rejected, what is the good thing about rejection? What is that trying to tell you? For me, that would be saying, you know, there's some way that I'm looking for worth outside of myself. I'm looking for love outside of myself. I'm looking for external validation, which is totally normal because that's what our society really vilifies. You know, we see in all the movies, these expressions of codependency, you know, you complete me, right? When in reality, there's this beautiful way to find love within and then also to share that love you have for yourself with the world and in relationships. So being able to see that if we're not unconditionally loving and accepting ourselves, then we're not even able to fully unconditionally love and accept others. And so this, uh, this questioner had, um, specifically mentioned that this relationship they had, that they had brought passion, right? And it's also recognizing that all of our relationships are mirrors for ourselves. So if you're experiencing passion from this relationship, that means that there's passion within you that's dying to come out. So how can you bring that passion to yourself? What can you do to seduce yourself and make love to yourself to allow that passion to to be unleashed and to explore that within your own container. That being said, I do have a free offering. It is a sexual shadow work workbook and it is in the link in my bio. You can just scroll down and see free offers. And that's a really good place to start with getting back in touch with yourself and unpacking some of the sexual shadows that may be keeping you from fully loving and accepting yourself. So that being said, we'll move on to the next question. Again, feel free to pop a question in the chat box if you have one, if you're listening live. So uh, let's see uh, the next question. It seems that it is better to convey one's wants, needs, and preferences and boundaries as early on as possible with a prospective partner. Very true. 
But in a cis-hetero context, how does one initiate this conversation with someone new without it coming off as presumptuous or with reducing the risk of making them uncomfortable and blowing it? I'm concerned that initiating a conversation like this early on could be off-putting to many women, especially if initiated by a guy. So essentially what he is uh, asking is... How do I approach the conversation of talking about needs, preferences, and boundaries as I'm getting into, you know, a new relationship? And uh, talking about needs, preferences, and boundaries is something that I suggest very often in this space, whether you've listened to my podcast or, you know, read any of my content. And to me, you know, being able to communicate needs, preferences, and boundaries creates a safe container for us to explore intimacy, to dive in and be fully present because we've already communicated what we're comfortable with, what we're not comfortable with, and what we're hoping to, you know, with intention what we're hoping to bring into the space right so that being said this can be super triggering for people especially if they're not connected to their highest truth and their desire and especially if they've been shamed for those things in the past and I know that this is something that I've you know experienced myself on both ends you know before this journey for myself I was also really triggered when people tried to ask me my needs preferences and boundaries so that being said don't take it personally don't take the reaction personally if they're not able or ready to have that conversation think of it as planting the seeds right you're planting the seeds to you know either have that conversation later when they do feel safe or for a future relationship so they have this opportunity to use this trigger to go deeper into themselves and to actually you know get in touch with you know what those needs preferences desires and boundaries are whether they take that, you know, immediately or it takes time for that seed to, you know, germinate is not your problem. So just being aware of, you know, not taking that personally, it's, it's obvious, it's honestly probably more of a reflection of the healing that they have left to do. That being said, you know, the art of communication is in art and there's ways to broach this conversation in uh in a space that feels really safe for you know the receiver and that's obviously not in an aggressive way um without any presumptions without you know projecting your desires onto them with the expectation that they will be fulfilled or even you know accepted uh you know it's understanding that we all have different needs preferences and boundaries and just because someone's you know, are, are different than yours, that doesn't mean that they're wrong. Your, your, your needs, preferences and boundaries are valid. And so are theirs, even if they're not in congruence. So to me, you know, if you feel comfortable having this conversation and doing it in a sort of a playful way, it's definitely, you know, using your intuition to tap into, you know, what, how are they feeling in this moment? And is this the appropriate time to have this conversation? And if so, would it be okay for me to approach this in a playful manner? And if so, you know, I like to kind of take it as this, you know, what do you like? Like, what are you interested in? What turns you on? What makes you excited about, you know, life and intimacy and pleasure? And you could even, you know, go first and say something like, oh, I really enjoy feeling very connected through, you know, sexual intimacy. I like a lot of eye contact in the beginning. I like to go slow and then move into, you know, more intense passion, you know, primal sexuality, you know, with time, you know, when I feel really comfortable with someone, I'm interested in exploring, you know, different elements of sexuality, whether it's, you know, working with different parts of the body or, you know, BDSM or whatever it is. So, you know, being able to also address the needs, preferences and boundaries change throughout the relationship. And that's okay. And giving them that understanding too, that this conversation is not one that you have once and then you never have it again. In fact, I recommend, you know, checking in with this conversation pretty regularly. 
Um, you know, generally speaking, I, you know, I would recommend maybe waiting a few dates to have this conversation if you, you know, feel, you know, com more comfortable in that way. Um, you know, but if the chemistry is feeling really lit up and you're wanting to have intimacy, you know, sooner, maybe on the first date, you know, if you're ready to have that intimacy, then consider why you're not ready to have the conversation around intimacy. And that could be a reflection of, you know, what's going on within yourself as well. And then, you know, finally, I would just say ask for consent every step of the way to and just being able to touch into that. And again, there's, you know, a timid way to do this that can kind of be not as sexy. And then there's, you know, really sexy ways to ask for con uh, for consent. And that could be, you know, something as simple as going from, um, can I kiss you to, wow, you're so radiant in this moment. And I just want to put my lips against yours. Would you be okay with that? You know, there's different ways, again, to approach these conversations. Uh, and also maybe highlighting, you know, feeling safe to be yourself with someone is important for intimacy and, and touching in with how, you know, how willing you are to be vulnerable for those conversations as well. And, and opening that up for the other person to, to step into as well, you know, saying, what do you need to feel safe to have this conversation, um, is really important too. So, uh, again, if you have any questions, please, um, please uh, put them in the in the chat box. I see one here that I'm gonna go ahead and answer. I do have some other questions from the week that I'll be addressing too, but Medical Cooling commented, why do so many women not want love, sex, and passion in a relationship? Um, okay, interesting question because I disagree. I don't think that many women don't want love, sex, and passion. I think that's exactly what they want. However, the nutrients that they need to facilitate that sort of connection might not be what you're offering or what many men think that they should be offering. Again, you know, a lot of us are getting our sex education from porn, from the media, you know, from past circumstances when in reality each lover is very different. So being able to again open in the dialogue and have the conversation to say what do you need to feel you know safe and comfortable to explore love sex and passion in this relationship and also having the patience to understand that many women haven't been taught how to connect into what that is i know the first time that someone asked me you know what do you like what do you want me to do to you in this moment in bed and this was you know years and years and years ago but I was really triggered and I was really scared to answer that question because I realized no one had ever asked me that question before and I hadn't even asked myself that question. So being patient with that process because again, you know, us women have often been told to really squander this part of our, you know, of our nature. You know, it's this virgin whore complex that we're constantly grappling with. And in reality, you know, this work with Tantra is about integrating both of those parts of ourselves. So again, feel free to pop a question in the chat box if you have one. Okay, next question. What other Tantra or sex positive profiles do you enjoy? Mm. Great question. And I definitely want to give credit to all of the beautiful educators and authors and coaches in this space who I've worked with. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am without them. And I definitely recommend, you know, anyone that's interested in diving into this space to really do your research, to try, you know, different modalities of, um, of working in this space. 
Um, so, you know, to answer the question though, first of all, listening to my podcast, talk Tantra to me, uh, half of the episodes are interviews and most of, you know, the people are, you know, all of the people on the podcast are in some way, shape or form sex positive or into spirituality or Tantra just because why would they come on my podcast otherwise? Um, so definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, you know, Tantra love coaches, someone that I've worked with a bit and I have a couple episodes, you know, with him, um, you know, ask a sub is great if you're into the more BDSM style of, you know, approaching this world. Uh, I really love the love gurus. Um, they've, I work with them one-on-one -on -one and they're two of my dearest friends. Again, you know, check out my podcast, you know, see what's, you know, drawing you in and then dive deeper into those conversations and give, you know, those practitioners a follow if you're feeling called. Uh, other um, profiles that I really enjoy that are not on my podcast but have been great resources for me in learning about Tantra and uh, sacred sexuality and spiritual intimacy. Um, Juliet Allen was one of the first ones that I really liked. Uh, Layla Martin is another. So Juliet Allen also has a podcast. She's on Instagram um, and she's got a great program called The Pleasure School. Layla Martin is another incredible resource. She's really big on YouTube and she has a school called the Vita Method. And it's really great if you're looking to get into coaching in the space of sexuality. So again, that's Layla Martin. And then the last one that I'd recommend is Rosie Rees. She's very much in the vulva owning space, the feminine. And she also has a shop called the Yoni Pleasure Palace where she sells incredible high vibe uh, sex toys and other resources for vulva owners. So those would be some of my recommendations. Uh, next question that I have for this live Q&A. Do you have any advice on non-genital touch practice during self-pleasure and sex? I want to be able to have a good non-genital experience without focusing on the genitals. Again, a uh, beautiful question. I absolutely adore this because again, you know, a lot of our sex education, you know, porn <laughs> for many people is going straight to the genitals and not seeing that this is a holistic experience for our bodies. And when we integrate all of our bodies, we can have full body orgasms. And then when we begin to integrate our energetic bodies and our spiritual bodies, we can start to have energetic orgasms and cosmic orgasms. And I have a beautiful episode on my podcast called expanding your orgasmic potential that is great for kind of addressing, you know, some of these different opportunities. Uh, and there's another one with Jonathan David that is, um, about non-ejaculatory orgasms or having, you know, energetic orgasms as a man. So those are two, you know, follow-up resources, but that being said, you know, I definitely recommend using breath, sound, and movement with any Tantra practice to invoke the sense of pleasure and move it through your body. And it's almost as if you want to make love to every moment of your life and to treat your whole body as if it's, you know, this living, breathing sexual experience. So, you know, touching into things like sensual eating, taking the time to seduce yourself, to, you know, light some candles, to have a nice bath, and just beginning by just caressing yourself, you know? And my suggestion is to move, you know, outward in if you're a female. So moving from the extremities inwards. And if you're, uh, um, you know, and when I say female, it's also female embodied. So vulva owners, etc. If you're a more masculine embodied or, you know, lingam owner, penis owner, it would be moving from the genitals up and out. So it's understanding that the, the female, it's drawing the energy in and down. And that's to, you know, collect it you know, in those spaces, whereas the male energy is already so concentrated in the root chakra and the lower chakras that you're wanting to move it up and through the entire body. 
And that's why women often ha are more likely to have a full body orgasm because the energy's already moved through their entire body as it's coming down into, you know, the genitals. Whereas with men, you know, where you have to consciously move it up and out. And breath is really a powerful practice for this. Taking time and going slow is really powerful as well. Just because, you know, if you're getting too excited too fast, then you're going to have that release very quickly. And that's called a peak orgasm. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's, um, it's not going to be as much of a full body experience either uh i have another question here how to get a passive woman to be a little more sexually assertive interesting question i think that what it comes down to first of all is letting go of the expectation and checking in to make sure that that's something that she wants needs or desires and if so i think that what that comes down to is how is she going to facilitate that in her relationship with herself first again your relationship with your partner is going to be parallel to your relationship with yourself so really her taking responsibility for her own pleasure and um you know really taking that is going to be probably the most powerful you know force in that way and again there are so many beautiful resources out there for women to get in touch with their bodies in this way one that i recommend is the women's anatomy of arousal by sherry winston uh definitely maybe gift that to your partner and see what she thinks of that how she reacts would be my suggestion in that in that space and also again maybe working with you know a professional too okay uh moving on next question during self-pleasure I discovered I like prostate massage. Do you have any advice dealing with the stigma attached to this? I'm afraid to embrace it. I love this question. I love this question so much because prostate work is so powerful and expansive and transformative. I've witnessed this with so many people that I've worked with, um, with partners, etc. And I will share a piece of wisdom that I've gotten from some of my mentors in this space. And I think it's absolutely genius. And it is God lives in the butthole. And when you think about it, we all have this, it's this, you know, connection that you know, every human on earth has this part of their body. Um, and it's also a very grounding place. It's, it's related to our root chakra. So safety and security and, um, understandably, you know, there's a lot of fear around this just because of the stigma, you know, by religions, you know, thinking about a lot of the shame that's put on, you know, society cultures that are more open and liberated with their backdoor, specifically talking about the LGBTQ plus, you know, community. Um, and so what I would suggest is journaling on where this fear is coming from. You need to fully honor and accept like where this came from to let it go. You have to feel it to heal it, to fully address it, to then be able to see, actually, this doesn't really resonate with me anymore. Um, and it's being able to see that some of the things that we've learned from, you know, our parents or from society, from religion, it was given to them as well. Like they're doing the best with what they've been given and you're doing the same, but it always letting go of what's no longer serving you and getting in touch with your own highest truth. Uh, I also recommend affirmations in this space. A lot of people will have this incredible release after working with their prostate, have this insanely pleasurable experience, and then their their mind will immediately go to a shame spiral around it and being able to notice, oh, I'm in shame right now. Cool let's bring in some affirmations that, you know, that can target that shame. So to say something like my whole body is sacred. My prostate is, you know, a, a beautiful expression of my emotions. Um, 
I, I deserve pleasure. I deserve, you know, this body that I was given by God. I deserve to explore it to its fullest. Those are just coming off the top of my head. So definitely, you know, touch in with what, you know, affirmations work best for you. And I recommend doing this in a non-sexual setting. So maybe taking some time to, again, journal, where is this fear coming from? Where did you learn this shame around your prostate? And then, you know, some affirmations to target the shame as well. Okay. Um, also want to touch in that the prostate is the female or the male equivalent of, or the male embodied equivalent of the G spot. Uh, and the G spot is really where a lot of us hold, um, trauma. We hold a lot of trauma in our G spot. It's a very emotional space. So when someone has a G spot orgasm, which usually involves squirting, uh, this is like a physical release. We're actually releasing a lot of that tra- uh, trauma and shame. And also when a lot of people have G-spot orgasms, they will even have um, tears. And it's, again, this emotional release. And that's something that I definitely really... Um, you know, identify with. And I think that that's why we often feel resistant to things like the prostate and and squirting or the G spot, because it is so intense that we're almost afraid to go near it. So maybe touching on that as well. That being said, someone asked a question about squirting. So while we're on the subject, I'm going to go back to that one. What is squirting for girls and is female condom any good? Okay. What is squirting for girls? So again, I kind of just touched on the G spot. Squirting typically happens from G spot uh, stimulation. The G spot is about two inches into the vagina on the uh, onto the you know vaginal canal on the upper roof. It kind of feels a little spongy to the fingers. Um, so you know, with a lot of stimulation in that space, you can squirt, and it kind of feels like you're gonna go pee, but it isn't pee. Uh, sometimes it might have trace amounts of pee in the same way that semen does. Uh, but I think I kind of explained a a bit about squirting in, you know, answering the last question. If anyone has any further questions about that specifically, uh, just being aware that again, this is a very emotional spot and it can almost feel uncomfortable to have it stimulated at first, especially when you're differentiating between the sensation of needing to pee. But I promise it's an incredible experience. And there's, um, Rosie Reese, who I mentioned earlier, has a, course, which I haven't done. So I can't, you know, you know, sing its praises, but as a resource, resource, if you're interested, she has a school that's all about, uh, it's called the squirt school. So a little course, mini course about, you know, squirting. And there's lots of resources online, you know, videos, etc., that kind of give you the how to, but definitely let go of any expectation that this should happen, whether you're self-pleasuring, you know, as a vulva owner, or if your partner, you know, if you're trying to get your partner to squirt, just being aware that letting go of expectation or goal is really important. Um, and maybe just set the intention to get to know your body or your partner's body better is, you know, the most pure way to step into that space. The second part of that question, is the female condom any good? I've honestly never used any sort of female condom. And I, so I can't speak to that in any way, shape or form. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, my suggestion for female embodied individuals and getting in touch with fertility and, you know, maybe having natural, natural family planning and FP, which basically means, you know, knowing your cycle and knowing when you're ovulating and being super careful during those times. Uh, that's what I suggest. Uh, okay. Uh, continuing with these questions here that were previously submitted. So the next question is how can Tantra help healing intense sexual trauma? 
Wow. I have so much gratitude for how Tantra and the resources that I found in this community, whether it's been books, podcasts, professionals that I've worked with, I have so much gratitude for how this community around Tantra has allowed me to heal my, you know, sexual trauma from sexual assault to just simply non-consexual sex to not fully owning and embodying my sexuality to just healing all of the religious and societal conditionings around sexuality. Tantra has been such a big part of that. And I do want to say though, that everyone has their own journey. And just because this worked really well for me, doesn't mean that it's, you know, for everyone. That being said, to me, Tantra is really about integrating, you know, your trauma and your shadows and transmuting those really painful moments of humanity into something beautiful, into your superpower. And that's really what, you know, Tantra allowed me to do. It made, it allowed me to look at this, these experiences that were very challenging and very unsafe and be able to see them as rocket fuel into getting me in alignment with my purpose. And I'm super grateful for that. Another thing to consider is just seeing that we are, you know, more than our bodies and we often get attached to the things that happen to our bodies. Just being in touch with this idea that, you know, whatever happened to your body is not happening to you on a soul level. And your soul transcends this lifetime. And what does that mean in terms of, you know, the trauma that occurred to your body? So being able to see yourself as, you know, the spiritual being has has really helped me. And I know it's helped a lot of other people. Um, I would recommend if you're interested in working with a Tantra professional in terms of healing sexual, you know, trauma, uh, Healing on the Edge is a really great book and Reclaiming Arrows. Both of these books uh, include stories of incredible practitioners and survival stories and how this work has allowed them to transcend their sexual trauma and to love themselves holistically, even as, you know, this is a part of their human experience. So I would recommend those books as well, if you're interested. Uh, next question. Actually, I'm going to see if there's any questions here before I move on. Okay. So um, medical cooling said, why, why do so many women, why so many women don't care about the topic at all? So I'm guessing this is in regards to sexuality. Why do so many women not care about, you know, sexuality? Again, I think that this might be a reflection of your personal experience. From my experience, a lot of women are interested in their sexuality, but a lot of women are also scared of their sexuality because that's what we've been taught. We've been taught that, you know, expressions of sexuality are only okay in certain containers that are very monogamous, that are, you know, for reproduction, etc. And this has been, you know, perpetuated through thousands of years. Any women that was sexually empowered was, you know, very much cast aside in society, was labeled as as kind of being bad, gross, dirty, whatever it was. So we're healing generations of trauma, which feels very scary and very difficult. And this can lead to a lot of disassociation with sexuality. So that might be what you're experiencing. To me, having a lot of patience for this process is really important and also honoring the wholeness of um, femininity. So not just the parts that we vilify, which include, you know, motherhood and nurturing and obedience, like being able to see that there is this wild, divine, feminine, goddess embodied sexuality that we have the ability to tap into. But we have to heal, you know, those parts of ourselves that have been told that that's not okay. Beautiful. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to pop them in the chat box below. Anything about Tantra, spirituality, high vibe relating, sexuality, um, etc. 
and I will answer them in this live. So the next question is how to navigate jealousy versus freedom in open relationship dynamics. How to feel safe and secure when old partners of fear and je- you know old patterns of fear and jealousy come up. I really enjoy this question. I think that what we all secretly crave deep down is to feel safe and free at the same time, which is incredibly complex with our current structures of society. So when you're in a more open relationship dynamic and you're wanting to feel more safe and secure, it definitely comes down to how you're communicating with your partner, creating you know safe boundaries within that container to explore this openness. And there's lots of really great books on this subject, even just down to understanding why monogamy doesn't work or how to you know get in touch with your trauma bonds and with attachment. And some of those books are Sex at Dawn. Sex at Dawn looks at kind of a scientific approach of why monogamy is so challenging for so many of us. And that allows you to kind of get this full acceptance that, you know, oh, okay, like it's not necessarily in our nature to be monogamous. This has been, you know, something that was reinforced with the ownership mentality of capitalism and patriarchy. That being said, that doesn't mean that we have to throw it out the window, but just allowing, again, a little bit more acceptance for ourselves. If you're interested in going a step further and actually, you know, stepping into a, a relationship that has some level of, you know, openness, whether it's, I, I identify my relationship as monogamish, you know, we're currently very monogamous, but there is that idea of, you know, maybe we want to open this in one way or another in the future, but we're very committed to each other. But then there's everything from, you know, having relationships with, you know, four or five people at once in a community. And so there's so many ways that this can be done. If you're interested in stepping into that space and seeing those possibilities, I recommend the books Ethical Slut. And the last one is Poly Secure, which I just ordered and I haven't read yet, but I'm really excited about it because it, it appears to me that it's going in deeper to look at specifically why something that we want so much like an open relationship and to feel free can also really, really trigger our attachments and can make us feel jealous or insecure in one way or another. So I'll get back to you on how how that book goes. But essentially, definitely recommend those. And then the last thing that I would say is to embrace your jealousy. If you're feeling jealous in this in this way and you're triggered by this open relationship, even though you know it's something that you've both agreed on and that you want, it's being able to see that your jealousy is there to protect you. It's there to uh, make sure that your needs are being met right? And again, it's acknowledging that this jealousy, you know, for thousands of years have helped us survive, whether it's, you know, the the more feminine embodied individual in this space, like if you're, you know, man that's providing all of your food and shelter and needs and, you know, providing for your children, if they're going off and, you know, sleeping with someone else and potentially getting that, you know, person pregnant, then that means that your resources might be lessened, right? So being able to see like, oh, that's why it's not actually, it's it's a primitive part of my brain that's reacting to this, not the expansive part, because I know that now I can provide all of those things for myself, right? So being able to see that, you know, what helps you survive is not what allows you to thrive. And then shifting into the space to see, oh, if my partner, you know, experiences intimacy with someone else, what, how could that benefit my relationship? Could benefit my relationship with them because they'll, they'll be coming back into my container from a full place of feeling really free, 
right? And that's really, that's a beautiful thing to bring into a relationship. Or maybe they might have learned a new way to touch or to explore a body and then they can bring that to you. And that's exciting too, right? You know, on the other end, you know, from a male that might be jealous in this space or a masculine embodied individual, you know, there might be the fear or the jealousy around, oh, if my partner, you know, is, you know, sleeping with someone else, the primitive part of our brain thinks, you know, oh, well then am I going to have to take care of those kids too? And, and, you know, all of these thoughts around, well, what does that mean in terms of, you know, my worth as well? She's getting pleasure from someone else. Does that mean that I'm not good enough? I can't satiate her needs. So being able to see, oh no, actually we all have unique energy that we're bringing to the world. You know, I, I could go have sex with someone and bring this really beautiful particular type of energy. And I'm doing the same exact thing as what, you know, another woman might do. But it's going to be slightly different because her energy is different as well. And being able to come into a space that of like this energy is so abundant, but there's different shades and we get to explore this space. We get to explore with freedom and expansion. So again, stepping away from, you know, these are the thoughts that helped my ancestors survive and get here. And that's why they're in my brain. But I'm choosing something else because I know what's going to help me thrive. Cool. Again, if you have any questions about sacred sexuality, tantra, intimacy, high vibe relating, etc., feel free to drop it in the chat box. I'm gonna see if there's any other questions um, in the comments. Here's one. Why do girls moan whereas boys generally don't during sex? Great question. So you know, my belief, my observance is that breath, sound, and movement are what allow our, this sexual energy to move or this emotion to move. Emotion is energy in motion. And generally speaking, women are more encouraged to express emotion, right? So I personally think that, you know, men are, should be encouraged to have these expressions as well and generally should to be able to, you know, go to, go to more profound states because you're encouraging that energy to again, move through your entire body, which is what allows, you know, full body orgasms and, you know, energetic orgasms as well. So why do girls generally moan more? From my perspective, it's just because, you know, that's, we're encouraged to express our emotions more in that space. Um, but there are lots of women that don't feel comfortable or safe and are really quiet. And so just, uh, holding space to allow yourself to step into your body, to be really present and allow that energy to move freely is a really liberating experience. I would really encourage it to everyone listening. Uh, any other questions or thoughts before we wrap up today? If anyone has anything that they'd like to share, any wins as well, or uh, things that they'd like to celebrate in this space as a community, you're also welcome to step forward. Okay, here's another question. How do you balance the need for novelty with the need to go deep with a partner? I don't want to have to choose one or the other. Guess what? You don't have to. Isn't that exciting? Uh, I think that we live in a world where it, we believe that when we um, when we take one thing, we have to give up another. And I live in the belief that I can have it all if I want, and that's the reality that that I'm able to create. That being said, there's obviously balance, um, you know. And I think that there's ways to explore novelty while also going deep with a partner. There's also space to explore novelty outside your partnership while going deep with a partner, and that kind of depends on you know what you're looking for, you know. Uh, 
I think that we often get into the same patterns, the way that we explore intimacy with our, our primary partner or our only partner, um, because it feels safe and we just get into this routine, right? But my suggestion is to explore every moment of intimacy as if you are meeting your lover for the first time, as if it's a completely new experience, because really in some ways it is. In some ways it really is, because we're always growing and we're always changing. So the person that you, you know, were intimate with today is going to be slightly different than the person that you're intimate with tomorrow, even though it might be just a fraction of the way different, but how can you tune into those differences, especially when we talk about, you know, the feminine, just because the feminine is so fluid. We have these uh, incredible menstrual cycles that bring us into different energetic states throughout the month. And there are so many beautiful ways to tap into that. And I do have an episode of my podcast that's all about the magic of the menstrual cycle. And I highly recommend it because a lot of us um, kind of demonize parts of the cycle, such as PMS or, you know, when we're actually bleeding, when in reality, there's beautiful elements that you can tap into during those times. So definitely check out that episode as well. Beautiful. Another question here. How to balance attracting slash magnetizing versus a more masculine leading or pursuing without chasing. Let me repeat that one more time. How do you balance attracting slash magnetizing versus a more masculine leading or pursuing without chasing? Thanks. Okay, beautiful. So I think that what this is about is, you know, with the feminine, you're getting into this space of like figuring out, intuitively touching into what do I need? What is my intention? What am I hoping to call in? And you just clarified in the context of dating. So getting clear on the intention, what is this about? And actually you're in luck because this week and I have an episode that's all about attracting your ideal lover or partner. So I'll just give you, you know, the basics here, but I definitely recommend jumping into that episode this weekend. It comes out or today's Wednesday. So it comes out on Friday. That being said, getting in touch with that intention and, and being in the fluid state of, you know, magnetizing is very feminine. The masculine, you definitely want to balance, though, as you had said, which is really important. And that's creating the space for that, you know, that thing that you're wanting to attract to come in. So that means letting go of what's no longer serving you, you know, and creating a lifestyle that's going to support a partner to come in. You know, what are you doing that's really in this space of hyper, uh, hyper independence that's, that's, you know, sending an energetic signal to the universe that you're not ready for that. How can you invoke your masculine to create the structures that will align with the intention that your feminine sets? And maybe this looks like, you know, stop texting your ex, stop going to places to meet women that you aren't going to meet the type of woman that you want, right? So just thinking about things like that, that's the balance. So the, the feminine is, is getting in touch with the intention. What do you really want? What feels juicy for you? And then the masculine is how do I create space for that to, for that to come in? Great question. Okay. And then John had asked, what's a good Tantra book for men? I recommend The Multi-Orgasmic Man by Montauk Chia. It's going to be really great about understanding how to harness your sexual energy. And when you harness your sexual energy, you're also you know, inviting the feminine to feel more safe as well, which is super powerful. I also recommend anything by Osho too. Osho has you know some books on Tantra as well. And I would encourage you to check those out too. Okay, beautiful. I'm going to answer this last question, then we'll wrap up. What to reply to a new girlfriend who is insisting to have sex and boyfriend wanting to give relationship more time? This is what I think that this question is trying to say. So 
you are, your girlfriend wants to move into intimacy and you're not, or you're not ready or the male partner is not ready and is wanting to give their relationship more time. I mean, I think that you should definitely honor, you know, what's coming up in your body. And if you're not ready, you're not ready. And being able to communicate that in a loving and compassionate way. And then also touch into what do you need to feel safe to move forward? Like, what are you waiting for? So being able to communicate that to her so that she understands what, what the weight is about. Does that answer your question? Yep. Good. Okay. Beautiful. Well, thank you guys so much for, for tuning in today. I really appreciate all of the beautiful questions that came through in this call. Thank you again for tuning in. I want to express my gratitude to you as the listener. Thank you once more for opening yourself up to the idea of sacred sexuality. And if this podcast resonates with you, I'd love to hear it in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective. And your reviews also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. And if you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, I'd love it if you screenshotted this podcast and shared it on your social media. And if you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. With so much gratitude and love, have a sexy and spiritual day, and I'll catch you next week on Talk Tantra to me. Ta-ta.